Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Hey friends, this is Pastor Josh Blair, and Sunday was Mother's Day, which means we had a special guest who happens to be a mom, a mom of three in fact, and her name is Reverend Courtney Hartsfield. She comes to us from Modesto, California, from a church there called Richland Faith Assemblies of God. And she brings to us an amazing and powerful word uh, from Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, asking the question, where is your talent? It was such a powerful word that we wanted to make sure that you heard it. So we're, we're uploading it here on the podcast. We pray that it will bless you, that it will minister to you, that you will be encouraged and equipped, not only for this week, but far beyond that. So thank you for listening. Be blessed and we love you. I was praying and thinking about today and uh, a parable that Jesus um, shared came to mind in Matthew 25. And you'll find it there, the parable of the talents. And starting in verse verse, uh, 14, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. And before he leaves, he entrusts his wealth or his talents to three of his servants. And he gives each according to their own abilities. To the first servant, he gives five talents. To the second servant, he gives two. To the the second servant, he gives two. And to the third servant, he only gives one. And then he goes on his journey. The first two servants, they get to work with what the master has left with them. The third servant, not so much. He went and dug a hole and put the Lord's money in the ground. And after a long time, it says, the master of the servants came to settle the accounts with them. He comes to the first servant who says, look, Lord, here's the five talents you gave me plus five more. And the master says, oh, wonderful. That's fantastic. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will give you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here comes the second servant. Master, look, here are the two talents you gave me plus two more. Masters, please, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will give you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now we come to the third servant in verse 24. It says, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you had not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. And can you just picture this scenario that here the servant sees his master coming and he's like, oh, hi, I didn't know you'd be coming back today. You've been gone for a while. Oh, that talent you gave me. Yes, it's, um, it's here somewhere. Yep, let me just dig that up here and uh, it's a little dirty. Not even as good as it was when you first gave it to me. But here... Here's what's yours. And his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you should have deposited the money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own interest. You should have done something with it. Why is it that some of us don't use the talents we've been given? In the story when Jesus says talent, they're speaking of the master's wealth, but what about the talents the master gives us? 
Why do we hide what the Lord has entrusted us with? So with that, I'd like to title this message, Where's Your Talent? I'm sure there's a long list of reasons why, but let's talk about a couple possibilities why we don't use our talents. As the master said, laziness. Laziness can prevent us from using our talents, just not wanting to put the work in. Pride. Sometimes God might ask you to do something that might seem a little off and you don't really want to put yourself out there. Or selfishness, maybe spending more time on yourself than on others. Or what about if you actually want to use your talent, but you struggle with feelings of insecurity or low self-esteem, low self-worth, inadequacy, or fear? And I'll be honest, I can raise my hands to a lot of those things. And any of these things can prevent you from sharing the talent or the gift that God has given specifically to you, which then can prevent you from fulfilling your calling. Now, I do think there's a difference in the two groups of reasons that we just talked about. The feelings of fear, doubt, and adequacy, that's a head issue. That's a head issue, and there's a a battle taking place in your mind, and the mind is where the devil wants to tear you down. That's that's his playground, and that's where he does his work. But the first couple of reasons, you know, laziness, selfishness, I would venture to say is a heart issue. Because nobody can make you lazy but yourself. Nobody can make you selfish but yourself. There's none of us in this sweet church. I just know it. This is like other churches, you know. But whatever category you fall into, we still need to know, number one, God has created us for a purpose. Can everyone say, I have purpose? I have purpose. And here's some proof if you need it. In Psalms 139, 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. Shout out to mamas. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. What a thought to think that, that those 36 months of being pregnant, right? <laughs> God already knew this span of your life. And of course, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you future and a hope. And Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So to sum up, you are known by God and he has created you for a purpose. He knows our strengths, our weaknesses, our fears. And it says in our text in verse 15, then the man gave his servants according to his own abilities. Something else you need to know about yourself is number two, God has given you a talent all your own. First Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You have a gift that's all your own. No one else has that same exact gift or same exact calling or anointing. 
that God has placed on you. And he's given you special abilities and special passions that are unique to you. You've got an amazing pastor here. But what if we were all pastors? Who would we preach to? Or if we were all singers, who would we sing to? And if we can, uh, oh, and just as our bodies have different parts and different functions, the church body has different parts with people that have different functions. So if we can turn over to 1 Corinthians 2.12. It says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot says, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. The whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. You can't see my heart beating right now, but you can see the evidence that it's fulfilling its function. And although it's not seen, it's a pretty important function. So not everyone's gift is going to lead them to a platform or going to lead you to be in the spotlight or recognized, but that doesn't make it any less valuable. When you walked into church this morning, the air conditioning's on, the PowerPoint. I don't even know who did my little PowerPoint, but somebody did it, but all you're seeing is me up here. Your worship team had to have practiced during this week, but you didn't see the time that they put into doing that. Our brother Jay up here, he was called to do to receive the offering today, and he took that seriously. Nobody else this week was worried about Jay taking the offering. It was what he was called to do. It's not just one person, and it's not just one gift. And I'm sure in this congregation, maybe you have teachers or electricians or some, some that can really cook or some really great prayer warriors. And it's a beautiful body when we're all functioning to our fullest. And this may seem like an odd story, but I think it really fits. Uh, we have a, a family, uh, a friend of the family, and they were involved in a really bad accident. And he had burns all over his body, and a lot of it was down his leg and at his um, feet. And they had to remove four of his toes. And the family was so concerned that he was never, he was a young man, younger than I was, and uh, they thought he wasn't going to be able to walk unassisted. But the doctor told him, as long as you have your big toe, which provides you with stability and balance, you'll be able to walk unassisted. And isn't that, isn't that interesting that such a small piece of the body but yet its function can support the entire body. And just know this today, family, if you're doing what God has called you to do, be encouraged, it is never too small. It is never too small. 
And then with that being said, since we're all different, we've all been given different gifts and talents, it's important to remember we are not in competition with each other. Whew. That's a relief, right? I mean, sister over here playing, I, I, I can't compete with that. Can't compete with that. So continuing on in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, it says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And now, we live in a world now where social media reigns supreme, right? And nobody really posts how messy their house is. Or here's a snapshot of the dishes in my sink. Or the laundry that's still not folded, right? It's all about perfect family pictures and vacations covered up with filters, it's like, that person does not look like that in person. I just saw you five minutes ago. <laughs> so, But, you know, we, if, if we aren't careful, we can get drawn in into focusing and comparing ourselves to what others have, to what we don't have, and we miss out on being grateful for what we do have. I think that makes sense. And it's just the fact that some people are going to have more than you maybe more finances or education, or it seems like maybe they have more opportunity than you do. But God has promised to provide us with what we need, just like Jay said, so that we can do what he has asked us to do. I mean, I'd imagine as the talents were being handed out, five for you, two for you, one for you. And how did that third guy feel like? Was he, was he a little embarrassed? Like, geez, man, am I not good enough for, for more than just one? Why am, I only getting, why am I only getting one? I'm not good enough to be trusted with more. And I tried to find out what an actual talent was worth and came across a couple different answers. But regardless of the monetary value, I think this is key. The talent was valuable to the master. And he entrusted his servants with what was valuable to him. And just as the Lord has entrusted each of us with something so valuable, he expects us to use it for his glory. And I want to encourage you not to let what others have affect how you respond to your calling. And that's easier said than done. And this happened recently and happens quite often. But my husband and I were at a district meeting, and someone came up and complimented his Singing. My husband can sing. Woo, it's the best. He can sing. My, our oldest two can sing as well. And so they do concerts and everything. And um, he comes up and he's just sweet, sweet guy. He says, oh, your husband, I just love to hear him sing, just anointed and powerful. And yes, sir, he's the best. And to see your kids up there too, that just must make you so proud. And yes, sir, they're awesome. Now, do you sing? 
Mike, sir, um, no, I make what is called a joyful noise. <laughs> noise. I don't even think you could call it a sound. You know, it's just, it's just so bad. So bad that I think only Jesus wants to hear it. You know, it's just real bad. And the other day, I was shopping with my little Hannah, thinking I was going to be a fun mom, you know, shopping in the store, and I hear a song come on. So I start singing, and she goes, oh, mommy, on key. (laughs) That is her daddy's daughter, right? But truly, I can say that singing is not my calling. And as much as I wish it was and as much fun as it would be to five of us stand up here just praising together, worshiping together on one stage, that's not even a little bit of what Jesus wants me to do. And that's okay because I can't force my way into doing something that God has not asked me to do because, one, it won't be anointed. And two, I, won't be, I wouldn't be fulfilled. That's not what I'm supposed to do. But what I can do is recognize that God has blessed the rest of my family. I'm sure Samuel can sing. He's three. I bet it's coming. With a, an amazing gift of singing, I can appreciate what God has done for them and how he can use them. And instead of questioning and just focusing on that and becoming maybe even bitter towards that, I can enjoy the benefit of their gift. Enjoy the benefit of of other people's gift. And this reminds me of a story I heard of uh, Venus and Serena Williams, the two sisters that played tennis. Tennis, I had to do that, sorry. And they often find themselves competing against each other at big tournaments. And Venus is the older, Serena the younger. And history has shown that the younger is better than the older. So... They come up and face off at the Australian Open, Australian Open final. And history repeated itself again. And little sister beat big sister. And she ends up winning like her 23rd Grand Slam. So they interviewed older sister Venus, asking how she felt about the loss. And she said, when I play, I play to win. But she's family and her win is my win. And if you think about it, the same blood that saved you saved me. So we've got the same bloodline. We're blood relatives. We're family. If you want to put me on your Christmas card this year and really just mess with people, you could do that. That would be kind of funny. (laughs) When you win, I win. When you suffer, I suffer. And when you're honored, I can celebrate with you in that honor. We're family, and we aren't in competition with each other. Your win is my win. And number four, when you decide to use your gift, you'll most likely get resistance. Scratch that. You will get resistance. We were just saying, Josh, since you got ordained, has life just been peachy, you know? It's like, oh, goodness. Your target becomes a lot bigger. It becomes a lot bigger because... Stepping out into what God wants you to do is not what the enemy wants you to do. I mean, has has anyone ever had the devil lie to them? Just 
what God has asked you to do might, might be scary. And you're most likely going to be flooded with attacks from the enemy trying to convince you not to push forward. And he can fill you with those feelings of fear and inadequacy. And he can discourage you from going to the door that the Lord has opened for you. Because the devil could be standing right in front of your door. The Lord can open any door, but the devil can also stand right in front of it. He may remind you of your past, maybe mistakes that you've made that he'll keep bringing to remembrance, make you feel like you aren't worthy, that you're just not, you shouldn't do what God has asked you to do. You're not good enough. And let me tell you, attacking your self-worth is a serious weapon the enemy will use against you. Because when that happens, we forget who we are. We forget who we belong to. We forget who created us, who knit us together in our mother's womb. And I read a quote a while back that says, Pastor Josh, you ready for this? It's pretty intense. If you have a bad thought about yourself, tell it to go to hell because that's where it came from. It's okay to say in church, right? The devil is a liar, and he is afraid of how God can use you when you start to realize your worth in Jesus. And it seems like sometimes he recognizes our potential more than we do, you know? That's why he fights so hard. We don't even realize how God can use us. And when he attacks your self-worth, just bring to your mind, what kind of people did God use in the Bible? Broken people? Lost people? Liars, manipulators, thieves. And when they met Jesus, they were changed. And if you've met Jesus, you've been changed. And don't believe what anyone else tells you. They tell you otherwise. You tell them that one quote. (laughs) And lastly, in closing, number five, if you don't use it, you will lose it. What does the master do with the third servant's talent? Let's look at verse 28, Matthew 25, 28. It says, therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. He gave it to the guy that did something with it. Gave it to someone else. And if you, prob- if you think about it, I mean, it probably took as much effort to dig the hole, remember where he put it, than it would just to take a walk to the bank and deposit it, you know? He took effort not to do what he was supposed to do. But because why? Because he was afraid. Master, I was afraid. And Albert Einstein once said, a ship is always safest at shore, but that's not what it's built for. Do what the Lord has gifted you to do. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Reminds me of Moses when the Lord's first speaking to him, telling him, He wants him to go to Pharaoh, tell him, let the Israelites go free and get them out of the bondage of slavery. And Moses is hesitant, but God is literally speaking to him, telling him, hey, I'm going to be with you. You're not going by yourself. I'm going to be with you. And Moses is still hesitant. God does a miracle, turns his hand leprous, then heals, turns his rod to a snake, then back to a rod, does these miracles in front of him. But because Moses has a stutter, he does not feel adequate to do what the Lord has asked him to. So he says, please, God, have someone else do it. 
So God says, fine, let's get your brother Aaron. I'll tell you what to say. You tell Aaron what to say. Aaron will tell Pharaoh what to say. And, you know, and God did amazing things through Moses, but what, did, what else did he miss out on by not doing what God had asked him to do in the first place? Would there have been all 10? Maybe it would have just been a one and done, you know? God didn't want Aaron. He wanted Moses. He chose Moses. I mean, he was aware of Moses' stutter. He's the one who made Moses' mouth. God made you. He knows. He's fully aware of your insecurities. But Moses couldn't trust him. And maybe did he have regrets? You know, we don't want to have regrets like that, letting fear and insecurity get in the way of what the Lord has asked us to do. And a month ago, we celebrated Easter and a time to reflect and appreciate what Jesus did for us, what he gave for us. And you may feel like the Lord can't use you to help others, to serve in a church, to make a difference in the lives of other people. But let's think about this. A perfect Jesus is sent here to live among sinful man, to be betrayed and beaten and mocked and whipped, thorns on his head, hairs pulled out of his beard, spit on, carrying his cross after being beaten, to, that would have taken a beaten that would have killed most men, then nails in his wrists and his feet, and to basically just be suffocating up there, spirit in the side, separated from his father in order to save us from an eternal hell. If he did that for you and me, then what can we do for him? God wants to use you. He wants to use you where he's placed you, in your family, in your work, at the grocery store. Don't get so upset about those checkers who are taking too long. They might be having a really bad day, honest, and you can just smile at them or just, I appreciate you. Maybe they're, you don't know what they go home to. <clears throat> just find the little things that you can do so that they can see Jesus in you, even without you having to say that, that you're a Christian. So really, in my second closing, this is really, really it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I just want to leave you with three things that God needs in order for you, for him to use you. Number one, your availability. Just be available. It's what's most important. Number two, your obedience. You might be afraid, but continue to walk with the Lord, asking him to help you, what he's, what he's asking you to do. And number three, your heart. Availability, obedience, and heart. And if you have that last one, the other two will fall into place. You have to have a desire in your heart to do more, to want to be used. The Lord has given to each of us the gift of salvation Jesus died once for all, but what good is a gift if you don't take it? The Lord has given to each of us our own gift, our own talent, our own special way to reach others, to tell them of his love and of this eternal gift, but what good is a gift if you don't take it, if you don't use it, or if you hide it? God needs your availability, obedience, and your heart. So I'll leave you with this question today. Where's your talents? <laughs>